the Ghost Goal Podcast. The 2023 January transfer window has officially slammed shut. As big moves were made all up and down the Premier League table, from leaders Arsenal at the top of the table to major splashes by mid-table teams like Chelsea and plenty of action down near the relegation spots. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Uh, this one's uh, mainly for me, uh, since uh, there's not much uh, on-field Why did you say the 2023 the January? You should have just said the the Chelsea show, the Chelsea, the Bowley Chelsea, Chelsea Bali, Bowley Chelsea Bali show. Yes, like the Chelsea Palooza twenty twenty three. The the every Chelsea was linked to every single player in the window, and they pretty much ended up getting every single one that they ended up being linked to. Uh, there was no, there was no, no, nothing, no vic, no, no one left behind. It's just are uh, gone, Alex. You're nine, nineteen signings later. Uh, well, let me finish, you know, the, the sort of uh, prerequisite parts of the intro. Uh, if you're not familiar with the pod, this is your first time listening. Uh, I'm Alex. Uh, the other voice you hear, the extremely bitter other voice that you hear is uh, Javier over there. Uh, Javier, how are you doing? Uh, you enjoy your January 31st uh, Jorginho present? You're, you're happy with that? Oh, uh, do you want to just jump into that? You want to talk about Jorginho? You don't want me to gloat too much right now, Alex, do you? We should. I want to give you your time in the sun before. Uh, I'm mainly just asking how you're doing before we move into the uh, meat no, and potatoes I'm, I'm doing of our well. transfer you know, I roundup. I might sound salty, but you know it's fine when you know a mid-table club is making all these moves. If you guys were near the top of the table and making all these moves, I'd be way, way saltier because I'd just be like, "Ah, oh, you're buying the league. You guys are just securing the league, buying all these players." But you know, it's fine when you're. You're not competing. You're not competing against us right now, so it's fine. Keep that in your drafts for next season. You're when far we're, away we're from Arsenal, and uh, I don't mind you buying a bunch of random players with no plan whatsoever, and uh, just going complete chaos mode and buying anyone and everyone who's available at an inflated price. Javier, are you familiar with Newton's third law? Possibly. Newton's third law dictates that every action uh, in nature, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and is, Alex, uh, this this is the is reaction, that equal Alex. And opposite what you just reaction. getting? You getting uh, sanctioned by the uh, English government? Your owner being driven out, and then uh, your 1.2 billion in debt just being forgiven. So now you thought you have... we were dead, but we're coming back stronger and badder than ever. Uh, and this is this, this is, is just depressing. the beginning. Wait till summer 2023, Javier. The, it's the beginning of this pod should just be the Imperial Death March. And, uh, I can make that happen. I can yeah, make that Imperial happen. Imperial Death March and then the, the Chelsea, you know, some Chelsea song or something coming in after right after that. So, All right. Well, uh, that, enough that of the be, bullshit. That should be the intro. You know, enough of the bullshit and the trolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, get yeah. to the actual meat and potatoes of this because there's uh, it was a very uh, eventful deadline day, which we, we all predicted. We were saying this even before the World Cup. This was going to be a very eventful January window. Chelsea made the headlines just, you know, two hours ago uh, when it was finally announced after more than a month of rumors that uh, Enzo Fernandez, the 22-year-old Argentine midfielder, uh, would be joining this January uh, right away from Benfica. They broke the, uh, Chelsea broke the uh, British transfer record, signing him for 121 million euros. I'm hyped, Javier. You know, I've been on this one since our, our World Cup uh, uh, preview, since uh, since then. We've needed 
a midfield engine that can help us dominate games more in midfield, help Graham Potter instill his style of play on the team, a player that is not only a jack of all trades, but he's a master of many. He is a everything you think of when you think of an Argentine midfielder, and chime in whenever you want here. He has all of that. He has all of the hard work, de- determination, defensive acumen, but he's also just a, a wizard with the ball at his feet. Very press resistant, can play passes ranging from, you know, short, intermediate to long passes excellently. It's like putting Cesc Fabregas in a like, you know what? Here's here's the comparison. Arturo Vidal. That's what I'm thinking here. A player that will affect Chelsea in a positive way all over the pitch can play multiple roles in midfield where right now we have like multiple different specialists or we did have multiple specialists, but we'll get to Jorginho leaving in a second. We needed more players like this who were much more adaptable and can play in different scenarios and different positions and excel in those roles. It's a big price tag for sure. And there's a lot of Chelsea signings that we've signed for big money that haven't paid off. But I've never been more certain than uh, I have been of this one. I, I, since the beginning, I've just said, pay the money, don't ask questions. You know, the old Mourinho quote about Drogba when Ro- Roman Abramovich was asking him about uh, about Didier Drogba. Mourinho just said, Mr. Abramovich, pay the money, don't ask questions. He, it's it, it's going to work out. And Enzo Fernandez, especially to get him right away, it's it's a huge one. I'm so hyped for him because if we had if we had let this get to the summer, then Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, PSG, all you know, City or Liverpool, all of those clubs would have been in for him. I, I guarantee you that. But we get him, so uh, he-, he gets six months here from now until the end of the season to get used to the Premier League. Frankly, I don't really care if he hits the ground running and plays well right away. The fact that we've got him right now means that he gets embedded in the team, familiar with the league. And we walk into next season with uh, him all warmed up and ready to go. So uh, what were your thoughts when you saw this one, other than shitting yourself? Yeah, I mean, he was probably Argentina's best player in the World Cup. Um, I know Lionel Messi had, you know, huge influence, but I think he scored a bunch of penalties as well. And overall, I don't think that Argentina win that World Cup without Enzo. Um, I think Benfica have also been one of the most exciting teams in Champions League this year. And Enzo Fernandez has probably been the best player on that team. So it's a really exciting signing for Chelsea. It's a player who, like you said, I think Manchester City, PSG, Barca, Real, any of them could have been in for this player. And uh, the price tag is being paid so that you guys keep this player and get him over 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 your Premier League rivals. Um, and I think he's going to be a huge centerpiece for Chelsea in the future. You know, I'm sure he's going to be locked down for seven, eight years, whatever. the uh, Chelsea's been seemingly giving really long contracts. Eight and a half. Wow. He will be yeah. a Chelsea player until he's in his 30s, and he's 22. <laughs> but yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, just a great, great signing for Chelsea. I think obviously the best signing, I think, of even more so than Modric. Um, but I think him and Modric both are, are similar level, similar level, you know, talents that could uh, make huge differences in Chelsea's future for years to come. So this could end up being the him, Betty Achille, I would say the top three signings of the window for you guys. And then, you know, we'll see how Maduike and uh, some of these other players that you've signed as well. But I would put those three as your top three. I would go uh, Enzo one, Modric two, and then Betty Achille three. 
Okay. Um, well, here's a question for you. I, I've kind of come to an answer to this myself, but I'm interested to hear from uh, someone that's not a Chelsea fan. Champions League teams are allowed to register three new players to the existing, uh, you know, squad that was registered at the beginning of the season. After, uh, but they can do that after January. Out of all of these signings, which three players do you think uh, Chelsea need to include in their their Champions League squad for you know the the two legs against Dortmund and whatever may come after? I think those three: Paddy Ashile, Fernandez, and Mudrik. I disagree. I would uh, I would not register Paddy Ashile. I would register Joao Felix. I, I think we need a goal scorer. We need a center forward. Joao Felix will likely be playing that role as long as he doesn't get himself sent off again uh, at some point. Yeah, but Kai Havertz has been good in Champions League. Sterling is usually you know, pretty good in Champions League. Here's the thing. We already have uh, Wesley Fafana, Thiago Silva, Kaladu Koulibaly, and Trevor Chalaba re- uh, registered in the Champions League squad. And you know th- those players can't be removed unless they're sold. So we have four center backs. The, the striker options, meanwhile, are... Kai Havertz and Aubameyang, and that's it. So we need to add Joao Felix. Also, we didn't bring in Joao Felix just to play Premier League games. We brought him in to, you know, maybe get us on a little Champions League run. Dare I say, pull off what we pulled off in 2021, going all the way to the final and, and trying to use the winning the Champions League as uh, our road to get back into it next season. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying that the club may be thinking our chance of getting top four is gone, but let's see if we can, you know, get these new players in and go on a run in the Champions League and and qualify for it again that way. That's what makes me lean towards Felix, Mudrik, and uh, Enzo Fernandez as the three players that will be registered for that. But it's a tough choice because Badia Shile has been excellent in the the two games he's played so far. He, He looks like a very astute signing. And then there's, you know, Players like you mentioned, Noni Madueke, who I don't think we've mentioned on the pod yet, but he's uh, a a right winger, uh, English right winger that uh, Chelsea signed. A lot of money. Yeah, we did, we did, but he's he's very injury prone, uh, so I think he's one for the future, uh, one that we're going to try and you know build up and to be a bit more of a, a stable player who can basically take like the the physicality of the league because that's been a problem with a lot of our our players uh, in in the recent past. Um, and then finally, a player that we also hadn't mentioned Chelsea signed recently is Malo Gusto. You won't be seeing him this season. He's a 19-year-old right back, French right back from Lyon. Uh, one of the one of the negotiating points that Lyon wouldn't give in on is that they, they, they need him for the rest of the season. So Chelsea loaned him back to Lyon, but he'll be coming in in the summer to be, you know, the foil to Reese James, the, the, the backup to Reese James and... Yeah, very, very promising player. So there's been a lot of movement. I don't have the exact number yet on what Chelsea ended up spending this January, but it's definitely a record for a, a January transfer window. And frankly, it, it this would have been an excellent summer transfer window, you know? Yeah, this would what, have been like a crazy summer transfer window. I mean, yeah. this is honestly, like you said, Malo Gusto, Madweke, Badia Chile, they all seem like players who are going to be big players for Chelsea in the future. I mean, if this is all players that Potter wanted and Potter was just given 300 million to go and spend whatever he, whoever, whichever players he wanted, then, uh, you know, we'll see what this team looks like in next summer, because I'm sure there'll be a lot more players moved on. And I'm happy that Arsenal got Jorginho because 
I don't think this is going to be the same case as uh, the last two players we've gotten from Chelsea, which are David Luiz and, and Willian, um, which have been underperforming and not done well in our team. I think the reason Jorginho's coming in, he's coming in as one of the higher performers in the Chelsea squad for the last few seasons. You know, he was just just the UEFA men's player of the year in 2021. Um, but I thought that know, didn't count, Javier. Well, I thought that season didn't count. He won. Uh, he won third. Was behind in, he was third doors. in Ballon d'Or. Third in the Ballon oh, d'Or. Oh, so, Alex. so now all of a sudden you you want yeah. to use this to bolster the you know the signing. You, you He's think a Champions a League winner. He is unlike Willian and uh, David Luiz. Though Willian and David Luiz were Premier League winners, so you know they'd won some big trophies themselves. Yeah, but uh, Jorginho absolutely can be on. Uh, can be on that level as well. And he's been part of some fantastic teams. Um, he's been coached by some incredible coaches as well. Um, he's been under, you know, Antonio Conte. He's been under Maurizio Sarri. He's been under, uh, has he been under, he's not been under Mourinho, but he's been under Thomas Tuchel. You know, he's, this is an extremely experienced player who's a winner. You know, he's won the Euros, best player on that, on that Italy t- side that, that went, to the you know that won the the European title, um, and he's only thirty one years old and still has been playing relatively well for Chelsea. You know, very very consistent, doesn't get injured. I know he hasn't been you know performing at the same level that he did when he had Ingolo Kante and Kovacic next he, to him playing. Let me just be honest, high he, levels. He struggled yeah. since the year yeah. we won the Champions League. Sure, he was excellent like, that year. Obviously. He hasn't had a fit played, Ingolo Kante played. and and Kovacic next to him. For that sure. entire time, right? Since that, since basically that period, he hasn't had a fit in Golo Conte, like a fit midfield partner consistent. So he's coming into a team with a structure, with with high players that are playing at a high level right now. And, you know, we'll see if he can hit the ground running. I think he can. I think he can, he can come into the team and still play at a relatively high level and play at the, because he's played with such, you know, been coached under several different coaches. Pep Guardiola wanted him at Manchester City while yeah, Arteta was the assistant coach. I was saying, I was saying to coach. you that Arteta must have been one of the catalysts that like convinced Pep to try and sign him because you know now Arteta's at Arsenal and this move just sort of materialized out of nowhere. Like it was at 24 hours, the rumor started, and 24 hours later, it was done. Now, so, and, and and you may say to me, this is this is you coping, Javier, but oh. One hundred percent. You were twerking for Saicedo. I was. Twenty four hours listen, ago. Just listen. Just listen. I was. You literally I'll told admit. me last night when we were playing FIFA that you were going to kill yourself if this happened. No, 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 no. So, no, that's no, not. Just I, listen. I, I don't have the recording for that, like I usually do on pods. But it happened last night. You literally said, "If you guys get Enzo and we don't get Saicedo and end up with Jorginho, I'm going to kill myself." <laughs> No, no, no. I'm pulling you up on that that, one. None of that ever happened. I deny all of this. This was never said. Um, But honestly, Alex, for what we want to achieve this season right now, which is our goals are, you know, we're out of the FA Cup. We're out of the Carabao Cup. We only have the Premier League and the Europa League to focus on. Um, We needed depth in a few positions during the January transfer window. Last January, we made no signings, ended up costing us top four. We ended up getting, you know, a a forward who could play across the front line, center forward and left and right wing depth. Um, We ended up getting a midfielder who can play for, in place of Thomas Partey, who that was the biggest thing that we needed. You know, as much as I wanted Caicedo, 
I still think we can get Caicedo in the summer. I don't think like the Caicedo sure. is done. No, but I, just to make sure, Gino, I, I think he's more a rotation option for for Xhaka than Partey. If you're he starting games know. with Jorginho at not... the base of your midfield, your, your, your midfield is not going to be as good if he's replacing Partey. But if you keep Partey in the team and rotate Xhaka for See, Jorginho... I disagree. I think he's a you're... great replacement for Thomas Partey. He does the things that in we need in very specific situations. Like if you're playing, you know... I don't know, Bournemouth. If you're playing one of the teams at the bottom of the league that you know you're going to have the ball and against, that's where we, he's 100% going to be That's useful. where we need Jorginho because I, I, we can't have Thomas Partey playing. for you right. guys. We can't have him playing, exactly. We can't have him playing 90 minutes of every game against some of these, you know, mid to lower table teams that have, you know, more physical approaches to a team like Arsenal. And we, we just have to keep him fresh for, for our big games. And much like Zinchenko, this is going to be a, a great depth signing to to keep him, you know, to keep him fresh, keep him fit throughout the season. Because if he goes down, you know, Jorginho coming in, it's not the biggest drop in quality again now. But I think Jorginho, it's not saying a lot, but it's better than Sambi and is better than El Nenny, who, you know, Sambi now, Lakanga's being loaned out to Crystal Palace for six months. So we don't have him anymore. El Nenny's out for the rest of the season. Yeah, just... One final thing on Jorginho. As someone who was a big admirer of Jorginho dating back to his Napoli days, I was over the moon excited when we signed him from Napoli and brought in Sari at the same time. You're about to embark on the Jorginho experience. And amongst the Arsenal fan base, you're going to see a lot of hate for him because what he does well does not jump off the screen at you. He, he does all the little things of keeping possession and keeping the tempo of your team's possession at a, a rate that's very difficult for the opposition to, you know, to counter. I know exactly but what most, he does, Alex. But most, uh, yeah, I'm, he's, saying he's the, I'm saying this for player. the listeners. I'm saying this for the he's listeners. He's like Granit Xhaka. But, you know? but when he fucks up and when he's playing against teams like Leeds that like to press you high with very uh, aggressive athletic players, he can struggle in those situations. But, you know, if you utilize him in the right way, he can be like a great baseball closer. He can be like a Mariano Rivera coming in for, for the eighth and ninth innings to, you know, shut out a game for you. Yeah, just saying, when keep we're up 2-0 and a team's pressing yeah. against us and we bring on, we have Partey and Jorginho as a double pivot at the back, it's going to be impossible for teams to get the ball off us. You know, so I'm I'm with, with it, how good Saliba and Gabriel are on the ball. And with our ball, ball, like ball playing left and right backs as well, and Zinchenko and Ben White, it's just it's going to be a you know six midfielders basically pinging the ball in triangles among each other, and it's going to be impossible for for teams to get the ball up once we get a couple goals in the lead. And it's going to be the type of thing that it's going to be able to secure wins in the second half of the season. You know, when teams are more desperate for wins in the later part of the season, you know, it's crunch time. Teams are you know ball trying to bomb forward and get more they're just going to have much less of the ball with a player like Jorginho in our team so I'm I'm still happy with that I think for Arsenal I'm going to say 8 out of 10 window um, with like if we win the league 10 out of 10 because I think we got depth in the right places and frankly it but the signings including Trossard that you guys have made I would expect if I was an Arsenal fan for you guys not only to win the league in the position you're currently in I would expect you guys to win Europa League easily. Jorginho made that his bitch when we we played Europa League uh, that that first season he was here. Just dominated it. It was 
easy for him, and he and he does he excels in European competitions more so than in Premier League games, at least from my experience of watching him. So, if you end up the, end the season winning the league and Europa League, that's one of the best seasons Arsenal football club has ever had, and you know that that that's saying something for a club as you know historic and big as Arsenal. So, yeah, great window for you guys. Uh, let's move on to a couple other clubs. Also near the top of the table, we do, we do have to mention just outside of the top four, Tottenham made a couple of moves. Uh, we missed out on the Arnout Danjuma signing when they, they got him, I think, last week. Uh, gazumped Everton for his signature. He's a... Uh, it's a nice little signing. He's been pretty I good. I believe he's pretty is consistent he Dutch? goal scorer. Danjuma? Yeah, he's Dutch. Yeah. Dutch forward uh, from Villarreal. Had a great good. season in the Champions yeah. League for Villarreal last season when they got to the, the semifinals, scored bags of goals kind of out of nowhere. Um, so I don't know if Tottenham really needed that, but you know, it is, it is good depth in case, you know, Son or Kulisevsky get injured again. And Rick Charlison's been in and out with injuries. So I that think it was the type of player positive. that they brought in so that to keep Antonio Conte happy, you know, he probably said we need right. more players. We need more depth. And this is a quality, quality player, him and Pedro Poro, this, uh, I think 45 or 50 million that they paid for, for him from sporting Lisbon. I've never really seen him play, but Sounds like everyone saying this guy was going to be, you know, he's a kind of a Jao Cancelo type. So, you know, well, you know, an attacking right wing back, definitely a player yeah. that they needed. Antonio Conte needed, uh, especially with Matt, Matt Doherty going out, um, you know, so he could go to Atletico Madrid. They canceled his contract, and yeah, it's just we'll see how he does in the second half of the season. They definitely needed a player like this. The the one thing I'd, I'd say though is while he is promising, uh, Poro. He's kind of the same profile as like Sergi Regulon, who they had, and he, he was a left wing back, but he fell flat on his face as soon as Conte came in, and, and that kind of had all the signs of being a positive transfer as well. Um, it was like the well, similar Tottenham age were pursuing profile. This guy the whole window, haggling yeah. for the price. So, you know, it I, it, it looked like they weren't going to get him in the end. They did get him. So let's see. Conte got his man. Let's see. Uh, see how they do. I think it's a pretty good window for Tottenham compared to what other teams got or in and around them. So. Newcastle didn't really sign anybody. Man United just brought in Sabitzer on the last day uh, from Bayern Munich yeah. on loan because of that Ericsson injury. Looks like Ericsson's going to be out till May because that uh, horrible, horrible tackle from uh, Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll should be banned for like ten games for that tackle because it's just horrible to do that. To, I, uh, I must any have missed. Player. Was that the first yellow card? Because I, I saw the second one when he got sent off for the tackle on I Casemiro. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Marcel Sabitzer, he's an Austrian. Uh, mainly he's been turned into Pretty a box-to-box midfielder for, yeah. for Bayern Munich, but he has played as more of an attacking or uh, midfielder or forward for RB Leipzig uh, b- before that move to Bayern. Um, kind of been phased out uh, a lot of this season uh, uh, by Nagelsmann, but still one of the, you know, the better box-to-box uh, options in the Bundesliga. And has a goal threat to him, kind of a similar profile to Ericsson. So uh, that, that one materialized on deadline day. And uh, yeah, I think that could be very positive for uh, for United. So um, would he go straight into the lineup for you? Or do you think he's more of a, a rotation option? No, I think you play Fred instead. And then Sabitzer, you bring him in off the bench. So I think they have Fred in a ready-made placement or McTominay. You know, they've got some depth in midfield. They're not a... Uh... It's not the yeah, end of it, the world, Ericsson. It may go. it may depend on the on the the opponent. You know, if they're playing a team that's parking the bus, play Casemiro and Sabitzer together in midfield. And if they're playing, you know, one of the bigger teams 
and they need a bit more like work rate from their midfield, Fred or McTominay can uh, can come in instead. Um, but yeah, that, uh, you would kind of expect more from United, especially with you know the top four isn't absolutely wrapped up yet, but it's still in their hands and they're they're, they're looking good. Well, they for did it. bring in Weghorst as well. You know. Yeah, yeah. Did we did we talk about that at the time when it happened? I feel like we've uh, mentioned he's because he's been in a lot of their lineups since then, yeah, I think but we haven't really talked, talked about, about it. him a little bit. Just like when we did a little bit of recap of their games, but he I think he got off the mark in the FA Cup. He scored a goal. You know, he looks like he's going to be a, a mainstay in the side for the second half of the season, and maybe might get signed. Um, you know, he still looks like a good player. He's been tearing it up in Turkey. If he plays well for United, that that could be a, a good signing for United in the future. All right, which one of these bottom half teams do we want to talk about the uh, the signings for? Because uh, there, there was a lot of movement from uh, multiple different teams. I think the Nottingham Forest ones bringing in Kaylor Navas, that's huge, on loan from PSG. That's going to be a great, uh, great That one kind of confuses option. me. But I, I, I get it. He is, he is a very good goalkeeper. But they already have Dean Henderson on loan, who hasn't been having a bad season. Do you think it's just as simple as, you know, they, they saw he was available and just... I think they're hoping to, to like, poach him and, like, convince him to stay and, like, get right. him to sign permanently in the future. I, that's that's my thought. Um, John Joe Shelby, decent center mid option from Newcastle, uh, some good depth. Bring in Felipe from Atletico Madrid. That's a that's a great little signing for them. They needed to stop with the with the McKenna-Cook Worrell center backs. They needed to get some get another depth player in there. This is a big one for them. Um, I really like that signing. Southampton made some couple big signings. I, I have to admit about, about the, the Southampton ones. I, I'm not familiar with the players, but uh, Southampton's attack did need an injection of you know something different. They bought this like and, six seven striker right. from, from Paul. Gink. Give me give me a second to sound this one out. Paul Onuachu. Onuachu. I think I, I spelled it wrong. Yeah. Or Unachu. He's yeah, like you said, he's six foot seven, twenty eight year old striker from Genk in uh, Belgium. I, I don't think he's actually going to be that good, but again, he is something different. They don't really have that big target man center forward option. They have a lot of these uh, more technical players, smaller players with pace, like Shea Adams. But he's kind of gone cold in terms of goals up until today when he scored against Newcastle in the Carabao Cup. But they needed something. Maybe he can cause some chaos up top with his size and physicality that allows other players to, you know, get opportunities. And then, yeah, you you were just getting into Kamaldin Suleimana from uh, Rennes. Yeah, I mean, twenty five million euros. Twenty five million euros from a friend for a French yeah. twenty year old is, uh, you know, you, you're thinking that this guy is going to be sold in a few years down the line for two, three times that amount um, if they're investing this much right now into him, and we'll see if he can make a difference in the attack because I think they also needed like a good tricky winger as well a good option um in the wing and so they brought in some good a lot of good options during this window for southampton and i think they might have done enough to stay up we'll see um we'll see how the, all these options gel for for them but i don't know if their coach is going to be good enough to keep them up i think that's where my uh my like reservations are for them but uh there's a couple other teams i wanted to hit uh, a couple signings leeds weston mckenney uh, for all usa fans another american player Hooking up with Tyler Adams and uh, Brendan Aronson over there, and yeah, that one could be like potentially big. There, uh, Leeds are obviously outside of the the relegation just zone like at that the moment, but combo. they're it's just a couple of points. They got McKenney on a loan, and I think it was only they only paid like one million for him, which is pretty good for a player of his quality. And then in the summer, they have an option to buy for thirty million. 
Now, that option to buy, I think, is going to be completely dependent on whether they stay up or not. He, he can obviously help them do that if, if he stays fit. I think he does have some injury problems that pop up every now and then. But if he stays fit, that's the kind of profile of player that Jesse Marsh is going to be very happy to have in midfield. And I, I, it was uh, Nikki Bandini the, uh, from another podcast I listened to. She's a uh, Guardian journalist who covers Syria. She was saying that that, that move, uh, specifically him going to McKenney going to the Premier League, will really benefit him more than playing in Syria because he's a player that thrives more so on chaotic games than, you know, like a tactical, patient battle. He, he can be a good player and he's got good defensive work rate in, in those situations too. I actually really like but, Weston McKinney. Like, I yeah, actually think I he's get a really it. good player. So He's got a lot of I think personality. He'll, he'll thrive as a on leads and I think he's going to the perfect, to the perfect coach perfect environment and he's going to definitely sign there I think for Leeds when if they stay up here and I like the other couple signings they made Max Wober center back from Albury Salzburg um, he's you know like a promising young center back and then just Jorginho uh, he's, Ruder. he's not that he's not that young I think he's in his late 20s but oh, okay. you know he, he was on he was on Ajax I think for a couple of years he, he plays for the Austrian national team he can actually even take a pretty decent free kick too so um, yeah that, that that's a very good signing and then the, the other Ruder the the uh, young striker they signed from Hoffenheim. I don't know as much about him, but it seems like they, they just needed another option in case Bamford gets injured again because the goals have kind of dried up for Rodrigo, the the, the Spanish uh, striker that they have as well. So they need, they need some sort of influx of goals to go along with, you know, these promising wingers like Nanto and uh, uh, Somerville that they have out wide. They, they, they need a goal scorer and maybe that maybe Ruter can can be that. He's he's very young though, only twenty. So we'll we'll see. Leicester brought in a uh, center back that'll help at the back. Harry Suter. Suter. This could be like the really underrated move him. of the window. He was, I think he was one of the better center backs at that last World Cup for Australia. Uh, you know, a lot of people were praising him in that World Cup. But I, I don't think he was kind of praised on the same level as guys he was, like Guardiola. He's a big guy, and, right? Isn't he like yeah, six yeah, seven? Very big. I remember him off big. set pieces. He was he was always the target. In the, I don't know about six seven. Uh, you six, know, six six. He's a big five guy. something. Let me just look it up. We have the internet. All right, it says six six. So with cleats, you know, he's probably six oh, seven yeah, six, six eight. Six yeah. Damn, I didn't realize he's he was a that big. big. Lad. And he's only twenty four, so he's just coming into his prime as a uh, as a young center back. Um, and they got him for only 17 million euros, which th- that's why I'm saying it might be an underrated move. They, they, they've needed reinforcements at the back because they've had to play Daniel Amarte, who's more of a defensive midfielder. They've had to play him as a center back option next to that uh, Wout Feiss. I think uh, it's also huge that they held on to, you know, there were rumors that Madison was going to maybe move Tielmans. Right. They held on to all their players, added another player, you know. I think enough to it's going to be enough for them to stay up for sure. I think they have too much quality on the side for this Leicester team to go down. But adding defensive, you know, that's where they needed help. So I think they're still they still have goals in this team. They just needed more help in the back line, and and they they got it. Do you want to do you want to talk about a few of these games real quick, Alex? Coming up this weekend. Well, well there's the one game in particular, maybe two, but. I think we need to hit on uh, Sean Dykes being hired by Everton. Oh yeah, let's kind of talk about that. Kind of talk quick. about that in relation Sean to Dyche. how that how that affects this Arsenal Everton game on Saturday morning, seven thirty a.m. Uh, it's going to be at Goodison Park. Sean Dykes was just announced a couple of days ago. 
uh, we, we talked about him as a replacement when Frank Lampard was sacked, uh, like right after that happened on the, the last pod. I, I mentioned Deitch. I, I think that's a, a great hire for them. Where they fucked up is that they've taken their good dear time announcing it. I, I think I think they only announced it maybe like two days ago, and it had been like almost a week since they had sacked Lampard. They, they should have gotten him in as soon as possible, had it in the chamber ready to go as soon as they sacked Lampard. And then they should have given him some ammunition in the transfer window these last couple of days. And instead, he's ended up with nothing, and he's got the same players that Lampard has, and he's got to, you know get them out of a, another relegation jam. Now, he's got plenty of experience in doing that, so yeah, maybe he can pull it off, but you, you, you got to think it would have been better if he could have signed like one or two players, right? Arsenal haven't won... Yeah, I agree, Alex. I mean, I think Arsenal haven't won at Goodison, though, for four last four times we've gone there, and I'm a little scared of the new manager bump. I feel like Dice is going to have them motivated, you know, energized for this type of game. To have them try to play spoilers for us. I know you don't usually use Instagram unless we're doing an Instagram live, but I'm a little I found, nervous for this game. I, I found this reel of like Sean Dykes just holding up one finger, like the number one, and like the had some like intense music playing under it, and the caption for it was when Sean Dykes comes in and gets a Brexit one nil against Arsenal in his first game. <laughs> no, I don't think that's going to happen, but just the idea of so that either. is funny I think, to me. I mean, I I think that this is going to be one of those games where. Sean Dyche has been out of the Premier League for a little while, hasn't seen how good Mikel Arteta and less than a hasn't year. experienced less it. than a year. Yeah, but hasn't experienced Arteta's arsenal in this form, and I don't know how much he'll be able to put up with it. I think it'll still be a relatively comfortable win. I'm going to say two nil Arsenal. I don't think Everton score, and uh, this is the I, kind of I game st- that Jorginho can be very useful in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see. Uh, you know, more more of Lysant Leandro Trossard. And not not too worried about this game, Alex. Pretty happy that uh, we have it early on Saturday so I can get, get the Arsenal game out of the way and get my, you know, get the three points on the board, hopefully, and uh, put an 11-point gap for uh, City going into their uh, their game on Sunday. Yeah, actually, before we hit on that City game, I should mention, because this is a, a pretty good game, Chelsea-Fulham on uh, Friday evening at 3 p.m. here in the States. Uh, you know, we just saw the reverse fixture of that a, a couple of weeks ago when Fulham beat Chelsea. Sorry, uh, five point gap or eight point gap. I, I don't anticipate Enzo Fernandez being ready for this one. Probably the next week against West Ham, but uh, you know, maybe maybe we see a Mudrick start. It's we should still be as Chelsea fans expecting a win out of this one, even though Fulham are a very a very solid side. Um, yeah, nice to have footy on Friday as well. I like that they put a put a game. I, I would rather we play on Saturday, but you know, I'll, I'll take it. But we, I haven't I haven't seen Chelsea play for two weeks. Um, and, and this transfer news is all I have to live off of the, these last this last week or so. So excited to get back to the actual uh, football. But like you said, Sunday, eleven thirty a.m. Tottenham Manchester City, uh, and another one that we just saw a couple of weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. Uh, when City came back from 2-0 down at the Etihad to win 4-2. Uh, this time they'll be going down to London to face Spurs. Uh, we do have to mention this kind of... Because it wasn't an incoming transfer, I think I forgot to put it in the, the, the running order, but weirdly that Joao Cancelo, who was one of the best fullbacks in the league last season and for the last like two and, seasons probably... And for the first 
14 games of this season. 13, like He was like shredding the league at the beginning of the season this year. Yeah, there were reports that he had a falling out in training with Pep Guardiola over his lack of game time. He had kind of, his performances had dropped off and uh, that Ricardo, Rico Lewis or Ricardo Lewis uh, kid from Rico the academy. Lewis, yeah. Rico Lewis, he's come in and, and played well at right back instead. It's, uh, it's resulted in uh, Cancelo being... I think loaned to Bayern Munich with an option to buy for the the rest of the season. It's a really odd one because it just came out of nowhere, and it's really odd. And uh, they didn't bring in a replacement, which is pretty great for Arsenal because it's a quality quality player that uh, I think at some point during the season was going to help them out depth wise, you know, in big games. And they don't have him, so I'm happy to see him go. You can you can phrase it that way, but also Manchester City they, they they do a very good job as a whole of not letting any one player make themselves greater than the team. They they don't they don't stand for that, and you know it hasn't happened with someone as high profile as like Kevin De Bruyne or, or something like that. But you get the feeling that if it did, they would have this exact same reaction. They would just say, "Oh, okay, you you think." You, you know, your personal matters mean more than, uh, you know, the greater goal of of the team. All right. You can you, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And that's it's a good characteristic to have as a as an organization. And I think in that regard, it is a positive move from them. But, yeah, it's it's hard to see how they sort of withstand all of the, the different fronts that they have to, to face. They're still in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League, still want to come back in the, in the Premier League from uh that uh, was at five point deficit right now, and they have two games against Arsenal. You'd think they would. Most teams would have found a way to sort of like kiss and make up from for the time being, and then you know sell in the summer. But no, City uh, and Pep have not stood for that, and they've they've kicked him out. And I guess Lewis has been good enough too that he they they believe in him to to make that position his own at right back. This Tottenham game. Still expect them to come in and win this one. I, I haven't seen too much from Spurs recently to make me think they'll be able to you know, finish home, the job though. this time. This is Spurs at home. They're the bogey team from Manchester City. I think Spurs are going to get something in this game. You know, I, I've always predicted Manchester City to beat Tottenham, and we always mention that, the, that they're a bogey side, and then I don't predict it. So I kind of have a feeling that this is the type of game Spurs need something. You know, they've been kind of on a slide recently. They got that one good result against Crystal Palace where they scored four goals, but they've just, they haven't had a lot of joy recently, especially at home. And, uh, you know, I think that they, Son got a couple of goals in the, uh, in the FA cup against Preston North end uh, a couple days ago. You know, maybe he's a player who they need back on form desperately. You know, he, he, there were some nice goals too. So, him maybe having a little bit more confidence going into this game, having Kulishesvi, Kane, Son, having Betta and Core healthy. Um, you know, Emerson Royale, I know that you don't really like him, but I thought he played pretty well for Tottenham in, in their last game. And, you know, getting some more consistent wing backs, getting Conte actually finding the best eleven, um, is gonna be it's gonna be big for them. So I kinda think that Tottenham are going to put on a good show against Manchester City, and I haven't been super impressed with Manchester City. I know that recently they've looked pretty good in their last few games, but you know they they've they haven't been exactly blowing away teams, and I want to see that uh, that form return. I, I just think this is the start of Manchester City's ramping up to 
you know, they usually have two big winning runs in them in every season. They had the the first winning run earlier when Holland was scoring in seemingly every game. I think now that Cancelo's gone, the window's closed, the team is settled. I think this is when they start to, to ramp up and, you know, close that gap and maybe and probably I'm I'm still predicting them to win the league. Uh, you know, overtake Arsenal and you know, if you can't beat Tottenham away at three-point lane, then you don't deserve to win the league. So I'm going to say City get the win here. I'm going to say 2-2. I'm going to say a uh, draw here. Okay. Javier, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, I uh, uh, think we covered most of it. I'm sure yeah, we missed we something because a lot there, happened uh, today. There's one, one, one game earlier that day on Sunday, Nottingham Forest leads. That could be a really good one at 9 a.m. Relegation six-pointer. And, uh, you know, we could see Weston McKinney debut in that game. We could see some, uh, some you know, maybe Kaylor Navas for Nottingham Forest. Who knows? Um, and then Manchester United have a couple of easy home games. They've been on good form. They could put some points on the board, you know, against Crystal Palace at home, against Leeds at home. They, they play on Saturday and then they play on Wednesday. Again, they have a double game week. So, you know, if they they get a couple of wins and Tottenham lose, like you said, they could put some real, real daylight uh, you know, for top four, and uh, yeah, they look they they look good for for top four right now, especially with uh, with that with that signing. So, I think uh, for United fans, they're they're back and they're uh, they should be happy. All right. Well, even though the transfer window did just officially close at eleven p.m. Uh, UK time on Tuesday, there's always like a one or two transfers that sort of filters through like the next day, like the teams get the paperwork in. So uh, forgive us if we missed whatever that is when you listen to this on Wednesday or after. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point on a on a future pod if it's uh, big enough. Javier, thanks for jumping on this one. Uh, and uh, congrats on Jorginho. Take care of him for us. I, I didn't get to say this, but uh, I'll always be a big Jorginho fan. And uh, that's proven by the fact that I didn't unfollow him. He's the only Arsenal player that I follow on the, uh, social media. Usually I follow uh, players as soon as they leave Chelsea. And definitely if they go to Arsenal. But I like him enough that I'm going to keep on following Jorginho because he's yeah, a apparently good he's guy. Uh, he's a big inf- he was a big influence in the Chelsea dressing room a yeah, lot of people like him he's a huge him. leader um, you know people say that he's really really smart he's got but it's a, a new age great Javier. football IQ it's a new and, era uh, welcome to Arsenal Jorginho you know I don't I wasn't thrilled when I heard the news that we were linked with him but you know once I thought about the signing more it uh it, you know, it I remember that we were linked with him during the summer and I was gonna be happy if we signed him then so don't see why it shouldn't be happy now if you want to follow javier on twitter you can follow him at javier rev 9 and you can follow me at asmos 92 the podcast socials on twitter and instagram are at ghost goal pod and if you're listening on spotify or itunes please give us a rating and review so the new listeners can uh, find the pod enjoy the games this weekend everyone and until next time see you